The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It does not constitute legal or other professional advice. No one connected with this podcast can be responsible for your use of the information discussed. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and do not represent the opinions of any other person or entity. These views are subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Welcome to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing, a podcast blending the demands of the book with the rulings from the bench through the lens of the bag. Police officers with a solid understanding of the law and their legal powers are more confident, competent, and effective. Each and every episode will examine a legal issue in policing by reviewing current Canadian criminal case law from coast to coast to coast. Be prepared to uncover a legal lesson that will improve your decision making. Now let's leap in. Hello everyone, my name is Mike Novakowski, your podcast host, and you are listening to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing. In episode 20, I discussed an Ontario Superior Court of Justice decision where the judge didn't buy an officer's reasons for stopping a vehicle. If you remember that case, the officer said he pulled the vehicle over for an obscured or missing front license plate, and because there was a concern, the driver might be unlicensed. Instead, the judge in that case found a potential drug offense was the sole or only reason for the officer's decision to conduct the stop. As I said in that episode, sadly, some officers say they were using their Provincial Traffic Safety Act powers to stop a vehicle, but a judge finds in fact they were not. Somehow the officer thought that if they simply offered a purpose for their stop related to traffic safety, whether it be an observed violation or just a random stop to enforce traffic or vehicle safety laws, such as licensing, registration, mechanical fitness, or driver sobriety, the stop will be insulated from the rigors of Section 9 or 10 Charter Scrutiny. After all, if properly conducted, a random or arbitrary traffic stop breaching Section 9 is saved by Section 1 of the Charter as a reasonable limit. And during a traffic stop related to highway safety and compliance, a motorist Section 10B right to counsel is suspended. You know the kind of vehicle stop I'm talking about. They're brief, minimally intrusive, and limited to what is reasonably necessary for you to carry out your mission, whether it be warning the motorist, writing a ticket, administering a roadside screening test, or ordering a vehicle off the road because it is unsafe. In the criminal context, however, such as investigating suspected drug trafficking, the police need a reasonable suspicion to support an investigative detention or reasonable grounds to support an arrest. In such circumstances, the right to counsel is triggered and if you don't have enough grounds to meet the applicable threshold, the detention or arrest will be arbitrary and breach Section 9. There is no Section 1 savior in the investigative detention context. In this episode, we will again look at a case involving the purported stopping of a vehicle for an observed traffic infraction, while at the same time the driver was suspected of being involved in a recent drug transaction. Did this criminal suspicion negate the legitimacy of the traffic stop for Motor Vehicle Act purposes and render it arbitrary under the charter? And what if the officer instructed the driver to exit the vehicle? Would such a request result in a search? And would such a search be justified? These and other questions arise from a BC Provincial Court case cited as R.V. Roberts, 2023, BCPC 118. A link to it can be found in the episode notes. Facts matter, so let's leap in. The Kelowna Drug Unit in British Columbia was conducting static surveillance at a parking lot between a casino and a hardware store. Unrelated to the surveillance matter, a sergeant saw a man engage in a brief duration meet and a hand-to-hand transaction with a driver of another vehicle but the sergeant did not see what was handed from one person to the other. After the exchange, the man left the parking lot. The man, subsequently identified as Cody Roberts, and his vehicle, a lime green charger, were previously unknown to the drug unit. The sergeant relayed his observations to other members of the team. A corporal came onto the scene to begin surveillance on Roberts' vehicle, and, by luck, Roberts turned immediately in front of him. 
After a short distance of travel, the corporal paced Robert's vehicle and noted it was traveling at 65 kilometers an hour in a posted 50 kilometer zone. The corporal decided to effect a traffic stop with a view of issuing a traffic ticket, as well as identifying who the driver was. Identifying the driver would likely help the drug unit in light of the sergeant's suspicion that Roberts had just been involved in a drug transaction. Roberts pulled his vehicle over without incident. When the corporal approached to ask for a driver's license, Roberts was acting abnormally nervous. His hands were shaking and he exhibited what the officer described as the thousand-yard stare. Roberts also spent quite a bit of time with his left hand between the driver's seat and the driver's door and his right hand underneath the seat. At one point, Roberts handed his entire wallet to the corporal rather than just his driver's license, and his right hand continued to fumble around under the seat. During this time, the officer was unable to see Roberts' hands by virtue of their positioning. The corporal eventually instructed Roberts to exit the vehicle. At the time he exited, Roberts had one hand in the pocket of his hoodie. He was asked to remove it from the pocket, and he was also asked why he was so nervous. Roberts then stated, quote, I am in trouble. End quote. And he produced a small bag of cocaine from the pocket of his hoodie. He was then arrested for possession of a controlled substance. When other officers arrived to assist, one of them searched the charger. In it, police discovered substantial amounts of drugs, cash, and prohibited weapons, including a loaded 45 caliber handgun. According to local media reports, other weapons seized included brass knuckles, an expandable baton, and a canister of bear spray, while 6.7 grams of a fentanyl carfentanyl mix. 3.7 grams of cocaine and 28.4 grams of methamphetamine were seized. When the additional evidence was found in the vehicle, Roberts was rearrested for PPT as well as firearm offenses. He was then transported to the police detachment for processing and was subsequently charged with a number of drug and firearm offenses. In BC Provincial Court, Roberts brought a charter application arguing his rights under sections 8, 9, 10A, and 10B of the charter had been violated and he wanted all of the evidence excluded under Section 24-2. He claimed that, 1. He was arbitrarily detained when he was pulled over, 2. The search of his person and his vehicle were unreasonable, 3. That he was not informed of the true reason for his detention, and 4. That he did not have an opportunity to exercise his right to retain and instruct counsel in accordance with the jeopardy he faced. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, you will probably recognize by now how the police conduct in this case will be challenged. First, the defense will attack the legitimacy of the vehicle stop. Was this an arbitrary detention? Second, was asking Roberts to exit the vehicle a search? And if so, was it reasonable? Finally, was the search of the vehicle that resulted in the recovery of the drugs and the weapons, including the loaded handgun, lawful? Or did it constitute a charter breach? As is typical with these types of police encounters, a court will proceed step by step through the interactions of the police and the accused from the initial stop onwards to determine whether, as the situation developed, the police stayed within their authority at each stage of the encounter. So let's start with the initial stop. Was it an arbitrary detention under Section 9 of the Charter? Remember, under Section 9, everyone has the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned. So here is how Robert's lawyer framed his submission. The vehicle stop for speeding was simply a ruse. The police had no intention to issue a ticket and in fact did not issue a ticket. Even though the posted speed limit was 50 kilometers an hour, the average speed on that stretch of roadway could be between 60 to 70 kilometers an hour. So Roberts was simply going with the flow. 
The police were really only interested in advancing their drug investigation and, because of that, the traffic stop was an arbitrary detention under Section 9 of the Charter. So what did the judge conclude? He first agreed that at the time of the stop, the police did not have grounds to arrest Roberts for drug offenses. All the sergeant saw was a brief encounter between two people unknown to him. Although he thought he saw a drug transaction, he did not see what was handed from one person to the other. All he had was a hunch that could not objectively justify an arrest. But did the police need grounds to arrest before the stop would be lawful? No, according to the judge. The corporal carefully paced Robert's vehicle and determined that he was speeding at 65 kilometers an hour where the speed limit was 50. Even Roberts testified and conceded that he was traveling at approximately 60 kilometers an hour. The corporal had lawful authority to effect a vehicle stop under BC's Motor Vehicle Act. He had solid ground to believe that Roberts was speeding, a fact admitted by Roberts himself. And it didn't matter whether the officer had an ulterior motive for the stop. Even if an officer has additional, developing suspicions about possible criminal activity, this does not undermine the basis for the stop or render the stop invalid. Stopping a vehicle that is speeding is not an arbitrary detention and the presence of additional reasons to effect a stop does not transform it into an arbitrary one. So even though the stop in this case was very much motivated to identify the driver of the green charger which police suspected of being associated to drug trafficking activity, the corporal had good reason to believe Roberts was speeding. But what about Roberts' flow of the traffic argument? Here is what the trial judge said. Quote, Roberts' lawyer takes the position that the lawfulness of this vehicle stop was undermined by the fact that the average rate of traffic is between 60 to 70 kilometers an hour on this stretch of roadway. He says that because the police do not ordinarily enforce the speed limit in this area, they have lost the authority to do so. I am not prepared to adopt this novel concept. There is no authority placed before me in support of it. In my view, the legal basis for stopping a vehicle at the very most is the belief that an infraction had been committed. Whether other drivers also speed is completely irrelevant, end quote. And what about the fact no speeding ticket was issued? Did that somehow undermine the legitimacy of the vehicle stop? No. Here is what the judge said to that. Quote, the fact that the corporal did not end up issuing a ticket is of no moment. The situation was dynamic and evolving. The corporal was not expecting Mr. Roberts to be arrested for simple possession, let alone possession for the purpose of trafficking and firearm offenses. Given the jeopardy Mr. Roberts was facing toward the end of the encounter, it was entirely within the officer's discretion not to issue a speeding ticket. Indeed, one could well describe it as an overkill should the corporal issue a ticket on top of the allegations that were already in the offing. End quote. Now let's look at the officer's request for Roberts to step out from the vehicle. Was this a search? And if so, was it a reasonable one? The trial judge found it was a search. Here is how he put it, quote, A search within the meaning of Section 8 is any state intrusion of the reasonable expectation of privacy. But this is not an all-or-nothing concept. An expectation may sit on the continuum of little to great and any state invasion would result in a search. In my view, asking a driver to step out of his or her vehicle does amount to a search. There is objectively some reasonable expectation of privacy within the confines of one's vehicle, and even if this expectation is reduced, especially when one is on a public roadway, it exists somewhere on the continuum. Accordingly, asking Mr. Roberts to step out of the vehicle constituted a search, end quote. 
but it was a justified search, one that did not offend Section 8 of the Charter. Here is what the judge said, quote, Under the circumstances, the corporal had legitimate safety concerns. Mr. Roberts appeared to him to be very nervous to the point where his hands were visibly shaking. Mr. Roberts spent an inordinate amount of time searching for something both under the seat and in the space between the seat and the door. During this time, his hands were not visible to the corporal, end quote. The judge also pointed out the following. Again, I quote, The corporal had a suspicion that Mr. Roberts may be a drug trafficker, some of whom have been known to be armed, violent, and unpredictable with the police in the past. The corporal had very good reason to ask Mr. Roberts to step out of his vehicle away from the environment where he could potentially reach for weapons and, more importantly, so that the corporal could see Mr. Roberts' hands, end quote. Then, when Roberts exited the vehicle, the corporal was justified in asking him to take his hand out of his hoodie pocket. Relying on the Supreme Court of Canada decision of R.V. Mann, the judge stated, quote, There was a legitimate concern for officer safety. This was not, as the defense lawyer phrased it, a panacea to conduct a search on Mr. Roberts. I also find that the corporal's response and demands to be reasonable and measured. All he had asked of Mr. Roberts was for him to exit the vehicle and to remove his hand from his pocket. He did not, for example, conduct a search of Mr. Roberts' pocket himself. But it was at that time that Mr. Roberts volunteered that he had cocaine on him and that he was in trouble. Under the totality of the circumstances, the corporal's conduct did not go beyond what was permitted or reasonably necessary, end quote. The corporal was justified in instructing Roberts to step out of his vehicle and to show his hands. The corporal had legitimate reasons to be concerned for officer safety based on Roberts' presentation and is continually searching for something under his seat and near the car door. The corporal did not breach Roberts' rights against unreasonable search when he was asked to step from the vehicle and remove his hand from his pocket. Finally, the search of the vehicle was lawful as an incident to Roberts' arrest for simple possession after he volunteered that he was in possession of cocaine. As for Roberts' allegations that his rights under Section 10A, the true reason for his detention, and Section 10B, his right to counsel, had both been breached, the judge found these arguments were predicated upon a finding that the traffic stop was unlawful. But since the stop was lawful, none of Roberts' constitutional rights were violated and his charter application was dismissed. So now what? According to the local media reports, after the charter application was dismissed, Roberts struck a plea deal with the Crown. He pled guilty to one count of possessing the fentanyl-carfentanyl mix for the purpose of trafficking and one count of possessing a loaded firearm without a license. He was sentenced to 44 months in prison, which was reduced by the 16 and a half months he already spent in custody. As a result, he had 27 and a half more months to serve. So what can we learn from all of this? Well, here are a few things that come to my mind. Number one, a traffic stop will not be rendered arbitrary merely because you harbor an additional motive or purpose for conducting it. Sometimes these encounters are called dual purpose or mixed motive stops. The police may stop a vehicle for the legitimate purpose of investigating an observed traffic violation by its driver, while also having another investigative purpose such as identifying the driver in furtherance of a drug investigation. In this sense, there are two investigative purposes, one being the traffic violation, in this case speeding, and the other the suspected drug trafficking activity. So long as one of the investigative purposes is a legitimate road safety investigation, the coexistence of an unrelated investigative purpose for stopping a motor vehicle is not improper. 
As in this case, the police had proper grounds for stopping a motor vehicle for a violation of the Motor Vehicle Act, and the existence of a second unrelated proper investigative purpose did not transform the otherwise lawful stop into an unlawful and arbitrary one. For example, the fact that the police may also want to identify the driver of a vehicle for a drug investigation does not negate the lawfulness of the stop for speeding. But this requires a judge to accept the reasons for the stop. If a judge were to disbelieve the police and reject the Motor Vehicle Act reason for the stop and find the only real purpose for stopping the vehicle was to obtain evidence to further a drug investigation, it becomes a ruse or pretext to advance a criminal investigation, which, in the absence of the necessary grounds for an investigative detention or arrest, would be arbitrary and breach Section 9. Number 2. Instructing an occupant to exit a motor vehicle on a traffic stop can amount to a search for charter purposes. However, such a search may be justified on an officer safety basis, but you will need to offer a rationale or grounds for believing why this was necessary. In this case, the judge found the officer had legitimate reasons to be concerned for his safety. Remember, Roberts was acting abnormally nervous. His hands were shaking and he exhibited what the officer described as the thousand-yard stare. He also spent quite a bit of time with his left hand between the driver's seat and the driver's door, and his right hand continued to fumble around under the seat. During this time, the officer was unable to see Robert's hands because of their positioning, and the officer tied the suspicion that Roberts may be a drug trafficker into safety. Some traffickers, he said, have been known to be armed, violent, and unpredictable with the police in the past. All of this provided very good reason to ask Roberts to step out of his vehicle away from the environment where he could potentially reach for weapons and for the officer to see Robert's hands. Number three, ticket or no ticket. The fact the officer did not write a ticket for speeding did not undermine the officer's testimony that speeding was a legitimate reason for the stop. As the judge noted, once the other items were located, much more serious charges were in play and issuing a ticket could be viewed as overkill. The officer was entitled to exercise his discretion and not issue a ticket. But the fact you do not issue a ticket will be used by defense to suggest your traffic stop was simply a ruse to detain the driver to further a criminal investigation unrelated to traffic safety. So if you did not issue a ticket, be prepared to have an answer for why you didn't. How is this case different than Ontario's Robertson case discussed in episode 20? In Robertson, the judge did not find the police had a legitimate road safety purpose in mind while at the same time having a criminal law purpose in mind. Remember, the judge said the sole reason for the stop was suspicion of drug trafficking. In Robertson, the judge outright rejected the traffic safety purpose offered by police. And since the officer did not have legitimate road safety purpose in mind, using the Highway Traffic Act authority as a mere ruse or pretext to stop the vehicle in order to investigate the drug trafficking made the detention unlawful. In the B.C. Roberts case, the judge found the stop for speeding was not simply a ruse, but was legitimate. Roberts was speeding and the officer could stop him on that basis. The stop for speeding was not arbitrary. In Roberts, the judge believed the police, while in Robertson, the judge did not. If you think this podcast would interest others, please share it. And if you have a topic you would like discussed in a future episode, you can email me at legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. That's legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. Or maybe you feel like providing me with some feedback. Either way, I would love to hear from you. And remember, be careful what you practice. You might get good at it. Be smart and stay safe.